This is episode 68 of the Magic Detective Podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about the life of Long Tack Sam. That and more on this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Magic Detective Podcast, your podcast home for magic history. I'm your host, Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective, and this is episode 68. Hey, tell me, are you shocked? (laughs) Another podcast so quickly. That's awesome. I am re-energized now for the podcast, uh, especially after the last one, and anxious to get into some fun magic history. However, I want to give. Uh, I want to do a couple things first. I want to give a big shout out to David Sandy and Lance Rich for winning the Alan Slade Award. Uh, you guys really did a tremendous job on the Magic Collectors Corner Show, and you sure deserve that award. Also, uh, one of my favorite podcasts that is not Magic History, but still filled with incredible magic info and business info, the Discourse and Magic Podcast also won an Alan Slade Award. So well done. Uh, for you guys. Uh, also, um, while I'm saying thank you <laughs> and being kudos, sending kudos out to folks, a big thanks to Mike Caveney for sharing all those magic posters. Um, I, I forget how many you, you posted, but it was like every day there was a new magic poster. And when I saw that never before seen Harry Keller poster, oh my gosh, my head exploded. It was the coolest thing ever. And thank you so much for sharing that. Speaking of sharing, if you're a member of the Magic Detective Facebook group page, please feel free to share any magic history items that you'd like. Uh, This podcast today is on a very special person, and if you happen to have anything related to him, please feel free to post it. And that goes for any of the past podcasts. If it's an older podcast and you've got something, just if you post something that is connected to a podcast, just put the episode number on there so that way uh, folks can go back and listen to the podcast and check it out. So, um, Oh, and one big announcement, which I've already tipped in the Facebook group page, uh, I will soon be offering the Magic Detective T-shirts for sale. Uh, I worked out a, a wonderful deal with a friend of mine and uh, it, the way I, the reason I say it's a wonderful deal is because I was able to keep the cost of the T-shirts down, so it, it doesn't cost you fifty dollars for a T-shirt. So um, I'm hoping to have that ready here before the next podcast goes out. So hopefully within um, a few days, I'll have that up and running, and people can order your very cool Magic Detective T-shirt. Uh, by the way, the uh, fellow I'm covering today is an actual. Chinese magician, not a pretend Chinese magician. A few years ago, a relative of his produced a documentary about him, and I believe she also put out a book on him as well. Ever since then, I've been a big fan of Long Tack Sam, and I hope you enjoy today's feature. Long Tack Sam was born September 16, 1884, in northern China. He was born the son of an imperial officer in the service of the emperor. There are conflicting reports of his childhood, so it's hard to know which one of these is true. One version of the story says that young Sam apprenticed with a Chinese magician named Wang for about six years. After that period of time, Sam had learned two tricks, the linking rings 
and the rice bowls. He left there and went out to work as a magician in Shanghai, where he eventually joined another performing troupe. Another version of the early years has Sam being trained in acrobatic techniques by his brother and Sam eventually running away from home. Whatever the case, he eventually left China working with a Western circus. In time, he would become part of the Tang Kwai troupe and Sam became the director. Later, the name would change to the Royal Pekingese Troupe, but that name was problematic because bookers thought it was a dog act. The name of the show would change several times until he finally decided to use Long Tack Sam. Apparently, his real name was Long Ti Shan, or possibly Lu Te Shen, but he chose Long Tack Sam as his stage name and for his troupe. His performing troupe was made up of acrobats, jugglers, dancers, and he did the magic and also the comedy. By all accounts, he was a marvelous impressionist and mimic and could apparently copy the dialects of many languages, including Yiddish, French, Italian, German, American, Australian, and probably many more. The magic that Sam included in the show consisted of the Burton Restored Turban, the linking rings, the needle-swallowing feet, and the rice bowls. But his standout trick was one that other Asian acts had presented, but not in the dramatic fashion that Sam did. This description is from Magic, A Pictorial History of Conjurers in the Theater by David Price. Long introduced his amazing bowl production. The trick was performed as part of a flip, sometimes called a somersault in the air, and was performed without touching his hands to the floor. After the flip, he had the bowl of water with fish in his hands. However, a newspaper from the Times describes the act like this. Instead of making a head roll over before showing the bowl, Long Tack Sam did a handspring which makes and causes the trick to appear much more difficult. So perhaps Sam had multiple ways of presenting the trick, but all included some feat of acrobatics just prior to producing the bowl, and it was more dramatic than anyone else who was presenting the bowl production, which is why his stood out above all others. The bowl production trick was the creation of another Chinese magician, and really the first one on the scene, Chingling Fu. But other magicians copied the act, some using a stack of bowls rather than one large bowl. No one, however, did what Sam did. Again, from the book Magic by David Price, we find this. In the Long Tack Sam show, each trick, magical or otherwise, was preceded by the sounding of a gong. In the bowl production, six acrobats would perform the flip when the gong was sounded. Then... Long Tack Sam performed the flip alone, at the conclusion of which he was seen holding a large fishbowl with live goldfish swimming about. Houdini invited Long Tack Sam to be a member of the Magicians Club in England. Houdini was president, and I believe Will Goldston was vice president. Sometime later, upon his return to the United States... Houdini did something interesting. He had his needle trick either patented or copyrighted, thus stopping everyone else from performing it. 
The needle trick, if you will remember, had been a staple of Long Tack Sam's show for years, even before he knew Houdini, and now he would be restricted from performing it. There's a funny story from the biography of David Bamberg, Illusion Show. He tells the story of a Chinese man coming up to him after his show. He says, the man first asked, do you speak English? And then he goes on to say that uh, a lot of the material in your show appears to be copies of tricks from the famed Okido. And then the man says, even your colorful banner, which has your name, but it has Okido's face. He says that though you're very talented, this is really the wrong approach. And David Bamberg replies that he agrees for the most part, except the banner was a gift from Okido. And as for the tricks, his father gave him permission to use them. And Long Tack Sam, seeming somewhat confused, says, your father? And David says, yes, I'm David Bamberg, and Okido is my father. And the two men had a hearty laugh after that. And what I love about this story, though, is the ending, because they, they spent some time together uh, after proper introductions, and they talked magic and magicians and things. And then Sam spotted David's linking rings, and he asked to borrow them, and then proceeded to show David Bamberg the most incredible routine with the linking rings. And David Bamberg, Fu Manchu, was appropriately stunned. Now, on Sam's first visit to the U.S., his troupe got to open for no less than the Marx Brothers at the Palace Theater in New York City. And speaking of the Palace Theater, I believe... Long Tack Sam holds the record for the number of times uh, an act returned there. I think it was six or seven times. It was an amazing amount of uh, performances. And every other time he was there, he was a headliner. Pretty impressive. Prior to coming to America, Sam had uh, married a woman named Leopoldi, or Poldi for short, from Austria. And he would soon start a family. As World War I broke out all over Europe, it made travel to uh, Austria impossible. It also made it impossible for his wife and daughters to come to America. That was a mess. Sam had two daughters, Minna and Neapoldini, who eventually became part of his act in later years. They went by the stage names Mina and Nisa. Nisa had a special gift of playing the violin that was incorporated into the show, and daughter Mina danced in the show and assisted Sam during his presentation of the doll's house illusion, where she magically appears from a tiny doll's house. In 1932, Sam and his daughters performed at the now-famous Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, California. It's said during his career, Sam would open bank accounts in a host of different countries. He figured... If something terrible ever happened anywhere in the world, he would have sufficient funds to carry on. Sam apparently had a favorite story he would share about a piece of property he owned in Shanghai. It was a theater. And one day he was standing in front of the theater when a soldier, a Japanese soldier, appeared out of nowhere. The soldier asked him, where is the owner? 
Sam told him, Upstairs. As the soldier went upstairs to find the owner, Sam ran in the opposite direction and fled the country, abandoning his property. Longtack Sam and his troop were extremely successful and quite popular in America, Australia, and China. Sam even invested in theater property in China and two restaurants in London. Eventually, though, as age creeped up and life on the road got to be too much, Longtack Sam retired from show business. The first time he was coaxed out of retirement was in 1940, when he performed at the Majestic Theater in Shanghai. Was this the theater he left behind during the earlier Japanese invasion? We don't know. He was talked into coming out of retirement again by Herman Hansen in 1952 to appear at the Society of American Magicians convention in Boston. He was on the bill with Francis Ireland, Silent Mora, Dr. Jax, Jay Marshall, and more. He performed his fishbowl production and gave a lecture at the conference as well. Silent Mora was present at the lecture and said that he was even more astounding during his lecture than he was at the Friday night performance. And it should be noted, his Friday night performance brought the house down. And a few years later, in 1958, he did return to the stage one last time for a benefit show for the Society of American Magicians in New York City. Sam was the master of ceremonies. He was 73 at the time. And he finished the show this time again with his fishbowl production. A few years later, Sam and Poldy were in a car accident. They moved back to Austria to rest and heal, but rather than heal, Sam continued to have more health issues. He died in Linz, Austria on August 7, 1961. He and Poldy are both buried there in Linz. Just to put long-tack Sam into perspective, Orson Welles considered Sam one of his mentors. Sam was friends with Di Vernon, Max Malini, Nate Leipzig, Silent Mora, Houdini, and basically all the popular magicians of his time. Even the legendary comedian George Burns had this to say about Long Tack Sam. He said, It was the greatest vaudeville act I'd ever seen. On the DVD, The Greater Magic Video Library, Volume 29, with Charlie Miller and Johnny Thompson, Charlie Miller demonstrates the Chinese version of the cups and balls that he learned directly from Long Tack Sam himself. One of the moves appears to be the exact move that makes up one of the key elements to Roy Benson's Benson Bowl routine. One thing I did leave out is that there was a third sibling, and that was a young son named Bobby. Now, unlike Mina and Nisa, Bobby was never part of the Long Tack Sam show. In fact, apparently from the documentary, Long Tack Sam and Bobby had a somewhat difficult relationship. But if you watch the documentary, you'll find out why that was yourself. Finally, the DVD documentary, The Magical Life of Long Tack Sam, is a must-see. It's produced, directed, narrated, and stars his great-granddaughter, Anne-Marie Fleming. 
It is so rich with magic history and yet tells a wonderful story of her family ancestry and contains some elements that are heartbreaking and some very joyous moments as well. Um, it's an, it's amazing that Miss Fleming made the documentary when she did because, well, all the magic people she interviewed in the film, I'll give you a list, John Booth, Elaine Lund, Jay Marshall, and Jackie Flosso are all gone. In fact, I would venture to say that probably everyone she interviewed for this story uh, has since passed away. The documentary was made in 2003. One little key thing that I loved about the documentary is along her journey discovering more and more about Long Tack Sam, she came upon a family member that had Sam's uh, costumes and backdrops, and you get to see them in the uh, documentary. I personally have watched the documentary numerous times and have enjoyed the viewing every time. In fact, I own the VHS copy <laughs> before they had a DVD version, but now you can watch it streaming. Uh, I only wish that more people did documentaries like this on our brothers and sisters in the magic world, and we owe her a huge thank you um, for the wonderful job she did to bring her great-grandfather's story back to the masses where it belongs. And by the way, Anne-Marie mentions something in the documentary that I'm kind of familiar with. She ponders the notion of why his family had forgotten about him, why he was forgotten by the public, and whether this was a cultural thing or what exactly it was. Now, I don't know the answer why, but I can tell you that a very similar thing happened to me and my own family. My parents knew nothing about their great-grandparents. Nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever discussed. It was a big mystery. Although, I guess no one really asked either. They you know, were busy with their own lives. And then I came along and decided to do some uh, research on my descendants, our ancestry. And I found out that there was this huge side of the family that our side of the family knew nothing about. It's, 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 it's as if that basically families just move on. They live their lives and they don't spend a lot of time looking backwards. And I think it was likely the same with Sam and his descendants. And then it takes someone willing to dig to discover what mysteries were left behind. Now, for those that are interested in seeing the documentary, there's great news there is a link that I'm going to put in the podcast episode description. You can watch the documentary free online. Uh, it streams on there. Uh, there's a site that has it. It's wonderful. Um, you're going to really... And I, please, if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you saw it in, back in 2003, watch it again. It is just fantastic. You will love it. Now, this episode is a little shorter than some because, frankly, I didn't want to give you every bit of information. I wanted to push you all to watch the documentary because it's so great. I could have revealed everything here in the podcast, but, you know, that sort of defeats the purpose. So, again, in the podcast episode description, you'll see a link and you can go watch the, uh, the documentary for yourself. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like the episode in any way that your podcast provider allows. Also, if you're so willing, consider uh, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The more of the those I get, the more of the five-star I get, the more the podcast gets seen by other people. So that's why I keep asking for the five stars. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Detective Podcast. I'm Dean Carnegie. I am the Magic Detective. Please be well and stay safe.